If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, otherwise it's going to be on the screen, we're going to be reading for our passage this morning, Galatians 4, 21 through 5, verse 1. It's, if, it's, if you're looking up in your Bible in the pews, it's, 820, it's page 825. We're going to read Galatians 4, 21 through 5, verse 1. Here the that that's not the right version. It's that's the that's the child friendly version. I saw we had that last week too. Um, which hey, that's great. It's a we use that for messy church, so it probably never got changed. But feel free to look at on that. It's kind of fun to see like a little different translation. But I'm going to read from the Pew Bibles. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the women represented two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. And she is our mother, for it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. And at that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what happened? But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, um, it's a weird passage. There's a lot going on in there, and I'm just gonna—I'm gonna be honest with you. There's a lot going on in that passage that I'm really not gonna talk about because we don't want to be here for that long. <laughs> um, but I think I'm gonna try to touch on a lot of what's going on in this passage. And one of the reasons this particular passage is so strange and unique is because it's playing on ancient ways of doing things, ancient wisdom, um, you know, logic, and ways of talking from like 2,000 years ago. And it's a good reminder that, you know, although we trust in the Bible and we say the Bible is a guide for our life, we do need sometimes some help in reading it. It's, it, it was written 2,000 years ago, um, and the new parts were. So it's helpful for us to have some of that. And so I'm, I'm going to kind of get like some of the, the main points in this, but there's a lot of stuff in there, particularly around how Paul uses this Old Testament story that we're not going to go into too much because we don't want to be here for three hours. Well, some of you might, which I appreciate, but I really, I, I want to eat lunch after this. But um, So 
we've been doing this Galatians series for uh, how long, Pastor Pete? Like, has it been like, oh, it's over a month though. Yeah, it's over a month. And uh, we're going to take a pause coming after this for um, Advent and going to focus on that. But I want to, uh, it's a nice reminder um, sometimes, as I was writing this passage, or as I was writing my sermon, I was thinking, I feel like I'm going to just say the same thing that we've been saying over and over and over in this series. And it's a good reminder for us as Christians that, you know, that's a good thing. The Bible's consistent. It's constantly saying the same things to us because we need to hear them. And so today, in this passage, you know, we have Paul He's writing this letter to a group of churches in what would be modern-day Turkey that they're kind of not listening to him. And Paul's getting, I mean, Paul obviously annoyed because he's like, what do you guys know? I'm the expert here. But he's also annoyed because they're giving up something that's important. And what he thinks is so essential, not only to his ministry as a pastor, but also so essential to what the gospel, what Jesus said, what Jesus died on the cross for. And so, as we've been talking through this series, Paul, in this book, he's confronting this group of people that have been traveling around to, the, to these churches in this part of Turkey, what we call Galatia. And these, these Christians, and they are Christians, they are Jewish people, and they're going around and telling these Gentile Christians or Christians who aren't Jewish people that, you know, it's great. We love that you want to follow God, that you love Jesus, but there's a couple things you still need to know. You you need to remember that Jesus was Jewish and that, you know, Judaism was a thing and there's all these rules and customs and culture that you you probably want to, want to, um, believe in and and follow if you want to truly follow God and truly be sure that he died for you. And so these Gentiles, these Galatian Christians who were not Jewish, they're starting to be told, well, if you want to truly be secure in your salvation, if you want to truly know that Jesus died for you and set you free, You need to follow these rules. You need to follow all this stuff in the Old Testament. Adopt this Jewish culture. You know, maybe even change your name. Maybe take a Jewish name. David's a good one. Things like Joshua. And Paul, as as he's just had enough. It's like, you know what? And he, in this part, he's thinking to himself, I'm going to use the example that those Judaizers, those Jewish Christians have been using in these churches. And that's what he's doing in here. Paul, he takes this story, this story of Hagar and Sarah, probably a story that these Jewish Christians were using as an example of why you need to follow the Jewish customs and the Jewish culture. So Paul is taking that and he's saying, no, 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 not today. I'm going to show you what this is all about. And it's not what you're saying. So he takes this fairly familiar story to some of us about Hagar and Sarah. And right, if we, if we, you know, if, if, if from our Sunday school days maybe, we remember that Abraham and Sarah, right? Abraham, the father of a, a large nation that later became Israel. He, he was, you know, an old guy, didn't have any children. Uh, he had a fairly large family that they traveled around with. And God came to Abraham, and he gave him what? 
a covenant. He gave him a covenant, a fancy word for saying a big promise. And he said, I promise to you, Abraham, God said this, that I will make you into a great nation. You will have as many children as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Obviously, Abraham's thinking, that's ridiculous. I'm almost 90. My wife's almost in her 80s. She's never had kids before. How is that going to happen? But God promises. He makes this covenant with Abraham and with Sarah. And so, as they're thinking about this in the story, the story that Paul's using, Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're probably thinking, like, what did he mean by that? How is that even possible? You know, we, they, we're new to this whole, you know, God thing. Like, what, what, what was that supposed to mean? And Sarah has a great idea, which seems like a great idea, which was a common practice back, you know, 3,000 years ago. And she thinks, oh, we have this slave woman who's a, a slave of mine. How about you have a child with her? She's young. That should, that should work. And then we're going to, that's going to, that's the child that God has promised us. That, of course, God's calling us to work in this way to do that. And so that happens. And if you know the story well, there's a lot of tension between Hagar and between Sarah. And it doesn't work out that way because God does send Sarah a child, Isaac. This child that, you know, medically probably couldn't have been born because Sarah was so old. But God fulfills his promise that, no, 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 you will have a child. And in this story, this Old Testament story that Paul's using... We see what Abraham and Sarah were doing. They're hearing God's promise and they think, we got to make sure this happens. we got to make sure this thing that God promises comes true. So we're going to do our thing. We're going to help them out. We're going to make sure this thing becomes a reality. And so... In this story, in our New Testament story that Paul's using, we, he, he, wants, he tells his readers that this is a good way to think about two different ways of looking at things. First, you have the child with Hagar. His name was Ishmael. And he's the child that kind of represents us trying to achieve things, trying to achieve our own salvation, trying to save ourselves. And Isaac, the the miracle child, the one that shouldn't have been born, he's the one that reminds us that God is in charge and keeps his promises. And so in this story, it points out that Much like us, Abraham and Sarah were pretty convinced that, yeah, God, that doesn't seem very likely, but we want to make sure that it happens, so we're going to achieve it ourselves. We're going to try to get our own security and so fall into that trap of working for their own salvation. Sometimes we like to call it works righteousness, that good Christian term. And it just shows that Abraham and Sarah... While they, 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 they liked the promise that God had for them, but they really didn't buy into it, that it was really going to happen. And so and they wanted to have that security, that assurance, that word, and they wanted to make sure it was going to happen, so they were going to work to see it happen. Um, if you're like me, you've tried to lose weight in the past. Um, 
And I listened to a podcast. I was reading about it. And, you know, it's, if you ever look into, like, losing weight, you know how annoying it is to try because everything in your body is basically saying, no, I'm not, we're not going to do this. You know, you, you're, you learn, okay, actually exercise isn't the best way to lose weight. It's changing your diet, changing your, like, you know, eating less and eating healthier foods. And when you start doing that, if you eat less calories, your body's like, wait, there's less food. Don't burn any fat. We need it all, right? And you just can't, you can't win. Um, you can't lose any weight. It's annoying. And so it's just funny to me. And that reminded me of how much it's like embedded in our DNA that we want safety and security. We want to make sure that everything is good, everything is stable, and that our lives are set smooth to the point that our bodies themselves, even if we ourselves are like, oh, we want to lose weight, our, our cells are like, no, 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 we know what's best. And they're telling us that saving this fat is a good thing. And you're, so um, I hope people can relate to this. Um, and it just reminds me so much of what Abraham and Sarah are doing and what we all have tried to do in the past. Rather than just trust in God and his promises, we would rather do it on our own, do all this hard work of trying to make sure these things happen. And that we spend our whole lives trying to achieve this promise and security that God offers us that we forget about even living our lives for God. So, instead of going out, serving in our communities, you know, sharing the gospel, you know, being with people who are marginalized, people who are on the fringes, we're more concerned that we have this assurance and that we want to make sure it's there. That, you know, whether it's the stuff in our lives and we want to make sure that we have enough things so that we're financially stable or whatnot, or that we're more concerned about all the things that we do to show God that we are good people and that we deserve His love. Rather than living for God and showing our love to Him, through that way, we try our best to get that security from him and achieve it, much like Abraham and Sarah did. And this doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help the people that God's calling us to serve and to love. There's this great, great quote from Augustine, um, this pastor from 1,500 years ago, and a lot of people have probably heard it, but it's, he says, our hearts are restless until we find rest in you, God. And I think that's true. Much like Abraham and Sarah trying to achieve this rest themselves, trying to achieve that through the slave woman to get this promise to come true, we often try to find other means to make sure we really feel like God loves us or cares about us. But Paul, in this passage, he makes it clear. God's promises are true. It, 
He made, God made promises to Abraham and Sarah. He made these promises that seemed ridiculous to them, so much so that Sarah laughed out loud when she heard that they would have a child, that they would have a child at their advanced age. They thought it was ridiculous and that God had this plan to make it happen, that God would fulfill and keep his promises. And What's so great about that is that this is the argument that these Jewish Christians back then are using to tell these Gentile Christians that you need to follow Jesus by adopting this, all these rules and all this culture. And Paul goes around and says, you Gentiles, you Galatians that I'm writing to, you're a part of this promise. You're, you're a part of the Jewish promise that promise through Isaac that would make Abraham into a great nation. You know, the children of the promise, um, that's a term that's used for Jewish people. And Paul is using that word to include these non-Jewish Christians. I mentioned it before the last time I preached uh, in the, this Galatians series. It reminds me of the song, Father Abraham had many sons and daughters, many sons and daughters, and Father Abraham, I am one of them, so are you. I'm not Jewish. Some of you, I think, are Jewish, but most of us aren't. But we're a part of this promise because because of what Christ did. Because he sacrificed himself for us. He lived his life for us. He died for us and he rose again for us. And he sets us free from that, from the all that cultural stuff, the law, um, all this baggage that came with it. And God says, this is it. And Paul is reminding his church members, his, his fellow Christians, this is the story. God has already done it for you. He's already promised these things. The God that makes a promise and keeps it in the Old Testament is the same God who makes a promise and keeps it in Roman times. And he's also that same God who makes a promise and keeps it in 2019, soon to be 2020. It's the same God who's at work every time. We have a history of this. We have a history of this in the Bible. We have a history of this in our community, our churches. God is at work today. He gives us that security. He promises us that. In our tradition, um, the, part, the denomination our church is part of, we have this book. It's called the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, it was written 500 years ago-ish uh, by a, a couple guys, in, uh, a group of guys in Germany, and it's really good. If you ever, it's not the Bible, but it's it kind of summarizes it up and. There's a, the first, it uses a question and answer format. The first one is uh, something that a lot of us really value and treasure as a devotional thing. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then there's some more stuff, which we always forget, because it's not as meaty as the first part. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a a Savior who reminds us in the Bible, in our lives, the people in our church, that you have security. You, You come here. You believe in me. And 
You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. You don't have to work it out. You don't have to make it happen. I am at work in you. Have that comfort. Not to just sit around and not do anything. Not to just relax and say it's all done. But so that we can go out into the world, into the community, to share God's love, to share the gospel, to share his hope, to share that freedom, which we'll be talking about in the next chapter more. Nothing is ever going to separate us from that promise. And we know that because he's been doing that for thousands of years. We're not here to achieve something. We're not here to make it happen for God. He's in charge. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He wants you and me. He came for you and me to set us free to give us true security. And now, you know, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that, like, oh, so therefore you should never worry about anything, you should never have any stress or anxiety. No, that's going to happen. Um, that still happens. We still have worry. We still have anxiety. We, we still worry and we're, we're concerned when our children or our siblings or even our parents, when they're not believers and we, we want them to and we pray for them to be. And we're, still, we're still concerned and discouraged about all of the systemic evil in society. But we're reminded that it's ultimately up to God. And He uses you and me. He uses us his glory and to work and to to redeem all those things and so there's still times when you know the first of the month comes comes and you're for and you're you're biting your fingernails because you're like oh man am i gonna have enough money for rent and for food costs this month it's still gonna happen it's annoying it's 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 anxious but at least we can have a little bit of perspective And we can remember that ultimately our lives are in God's hands. And that we don't, we have assurance of that, of our salvation. That we have Christ and he calls us to live for him. Would you please pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, you call us to not worry about tomorrow. But then you say, because today's got enough worries of its own. So Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that oftentimes we do feel anxious and we feel worried and concerned. And sometimes we try to earn the promises of your love. But Lord, help us be reminded every day, today, tomorrow, next month, next year, that You are in control. Nothing we do, nothing more that we could do can make your promises true or not true. They are what they are. You are at work in our lives. Help us to live lives for you, not to earn anything, but instead to respond for everything you've already done for us. And we ask this in the name of your Son, who has given us all we have, has given us all, Promises that we can't even imagine. In his name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.